Welcome to Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news. I'm Salwa Khan. Our focus on today's program is meat production and what it does to the environment of our planet Earth and to our bodies. Eating meat, whether from a cow, pig, lamb, or chicken, is so commonplace in our society that most people don't give it a second thought. It is indeed an expected part of the diet of most Americans. You may wonder how meat is related to environmental problems. Here is the list. Meat production is responsible for deforestation, air pollution, greenhouse gases, water pollution, erosion of topsoil, desertification, and climate change. These harmful effects are very real and have been documented and proven over time. Yet most people choose to disregard the mountain of evidence that shows meat production has serious, lasting, harmful effects on our planet. Interestingly, a 2016 research study by the Pew Center showed that 74% of Americans say the country should do what it takes to protect the environment, which sounds good. But when it comes down to what people do every day to protect the environment, only 20% say they make an effort to live up to their environmental beliefs. Let's talk about that and more with my guest, Pamela Rice. Pamela is the author of the book, 101 Reasons Why I'm a Vegetarian. She's the founder and former coordinator of the Veggie Pride Parade in New York City and past publisher of The Viva Vine, a magazine about vegan and vegetarian issues. Pamela brought the Veggie Pride Parade from Europe to North America in 2008. It's something that continues to be held every year in New York City, Chicago, Toronto, and Los Angeles. Pamela, you've spent years advocating for a diet that's humane and that acts gently on our environment. What first got you interested in vegetarian and vegan issues? Uh, it was a friend uh, who uh, coaxed me into uh, joining her at a vegetarian conference that would be the uh, North American Vegetarian Society, NAVS, NAV Summerfest, uh, that now takes place every year. Uh, it's a great uh, vegan uh, conference. And I was pretty much bowled over. We drove up there. I wasn't sure of what I was going to be uh, getting into. This was back in 1990. And um, uh, then after that, I read John Robbins' book, Diet for a New America. Right. And, and I, I would have to say that almost all of my work is to augment his thesis, to, to stick with, with his brilliant thesis. And if people are not familiar with him, just very quickly, he was the heir to um, one of the major heirs to the Baskin-Robbins uh, right. dynasty. And uh, he um, rejected it, you know, outright. Uh, because of all the things he learned about the dairy industry. And uh, it opened the floodgates for him, and he studied, and he found out more and more and more. He found that milk was not healthy. He found out the ecological damage that dairy farming uh, did, uh, and there are many, many issues that I have since discovered. Uh, so, so he is 
he is my uh, original inspiration, as is the North American Vegetarian Society Summerfest. And thanks to my girlfriend who uh, got me out, out there. That was in 1990, by the way. I have to mention that. That's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I also remember John Robbins' books, uh, and, and or that book particularly, and found it very inspiring and educational for me as well. Um, oh, it changed my life. It was, right. it was like, uh, it, it, it was very instrumental in my life ever right. since. Right. So um, we're talking about the production of meat. So whether from cows, pigs, chickens, or other animals, uh, it depletes, destroys, and pollutes our environment. And I know a lot of people will find find what I'm what I just said sort of sounding overblown, but there's more enough more than enough facts to support that statement. So um, and interestingly, most people who are uh, who claim to be sincerely concerned about climate change and the environment fail to recognize the serious harmful effects of meat production, focusing instead on cars, planes, burning of fossil fuels, uh, which have obviously are issues, but uh, but you know the the this this issue should not be ignored either. So uh, let's start uh, start by talking about the many ways in which a meat-centered diet damages the environment. The main resources are water, oil, topsoil. These are the big ones that are actually being depleted. They're like, it's like a mine. You can mine it out of existence and then it's not there anymore. Uh, it's non-renewable. Uh, water, water, we're literally running out of water. Um, so water is, water is going to be more valuable than oil. That's the prediction of, of experts. Uh, but oil is also I've been talking about peak oil for for years, and there's a lot of actually controversy about that. Uh, um, and topsoil, I mean, uh, the United States, uh, we have our topsoil has been diminished diminished by by actual feet. Um, so we're we're getting to the end. Um, so. It's depletion of natural resources, but there's also pollution of natural resources, and we all know about that. We all know about uh, air pollution, land pollution, and uh, water pollution. But most people don't know about a more insidious type of, uh, of pollution, which is the hallmark of animal agriculture, and that is something called non point source pollution, that is runoff, runoff of chemicals from, uh, from farmland mostly right. because uh, we're throwing lots of chemicals and also fertilizer in just wild abandon on, on crops that are mostly used in America for feed. So this to me is a vegetarian issue. Um, what you have is runoff that actually it pollutes, um, it, 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 it actually, um, the pollutant actually doesn't make it, let's say, all the way to the Gulf of Mexico from the Midwest for maybe 10 years. It takes mm -hmm. a long time for rainfall and to actually move it down there. Uh, so obviously, and then air pollution, we don't think about air pollution and uh, animal um, uh, uh, food production. But it's very much there, and it's all about um, acid that gets in, 
to the air. We think about acid rain coming from coal plants, but it also comes from agriculture because they're throwing so much fossil fuel because our our um, our uh, uh, fertilizers are petrochemical. They actually are produced right. using oil. So it, it's a fossil fuel, basically, we're throwing on our crops. And that actually um, comes off into the air as well. Um, and the land, obviously, meanwhile, while all this non-point source pollution is heading toward the Gulf of Mexico or into the water, um, it is is polluting the land as well. It's acidifying the land. And, and of course, we know about our oceans being acidified. Okay. And all of this is because of runoff. And the, the main reason for that is, um, is, is fertilizers. And uh, so also, I mean, factory farms, um, I, I, I probably your listeners are know what a factory farm is. A lot of uh, people have no clue about it. They uh, they go to their local restaurant, they order anything on the menu without any thought whatsoever where this, this comes from. But we have today um, something called factory farms. And so there's all kinds of pollutants that come off of these. The first and foremost, of course, is just mountains upon mountains of manure that just cannot be properly uh, disposed of and uh, properly processed in any way. And it ends up in the water. It ends up on the land. It ends up and it even ends up in the air. So, and, and some of the uh, some of these manures obviously contain the things that the animals have been eating, and have been given, such as drugs and antibiotics and other damaging. Absolutely, another thing that that people just have n no awareness of is that animals are given the lion's share of of drugs today, and people don't think about that either. So we've got pollution and we've got resource depletion. Those are the big, big categories there. Right. Again, uh, now you mentioned factory farming, and I'm, uh, as you said, I don't think many people understand the actuality of that. Is it possible no. to kind of uh, draw a picture using maybe a particular animal <laughs> as our sure. as our symbol? So how does a Absolutely. cow or a pig go through a factory oh, farming all, system? It, and it, what are the what are the inputs that that animal gets? And you know, what's it, it putting it's, out? It's it's too hideous to even speak about. It, it's like talking about child trafficking, uh, you know, or, or or something just very unpleasant to even think about. And that's why people don't. Um, they, they say, I don't want to know about that. Pigs and um, cows, it's all extremely intensive, extremely, where the animal is given a tiny bit of space. So just imagine yourself in, in, an, in a crowded elevator. You, know, you spend, oh, at maximum a minute in an elevator right. for the most part, maybe a minute and a half on the outside. How would you like to be in that elevator with other human beings 
for um, a year and a half. Uh, and you had to do all of your business. You have to defecate, you, you eat, um, and you just want your own space. And the, so the animals are actually, for the most part, living in space the size just a bit larger than their own bodies. You're listening to Mothering Earth with me, Salwa Khan, and my guest, Pamela Rice. We're talking about factory farming, which produces the majority of the cow, chicken, turkey, and pig meat eaten in the U.S. More on that in a little. Right now, we'll take a break. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan, and I'm here with my guest, Pamela Rice. Before the break, we had just started talking about factory farming, where animals are fattened up for slaughter while confined in a tiny space. It's an industrial system which values efficiency over humanity. It's big, massive, gigantic buildings and and high efficiency. And... So the feeding is efficient. Um, the um, administering of antibiotics, it is routine. It's, it's efficient. Genetics are huge. Genetics are huge in factory farms. Uh, animals, uh, the, the best example is the broiler hen, which is the, um, the chicken that you eat, not just hens, you know, both male and female chickens. Right. They are slaughtered before they are even adults, but their bodies are as big as an adult. It's high tech. And the animals are caught in this system that is, is so hard to believe that they get away with it. They get away with it because people don't even, they can't possibly believe that this is really happening and they really don't want to know about it. But we're talking about sentient beings um, that, that um, you know, have emotions and desires and, and everything that you do. You know, a, a chicken, a fish, you know, has emotions and intelligence. Um, it, it, but even if they didn't, it's just plain, utterly cruel in every sense of the word. From top to bottom, there is nothing kind about it. it it's, it's criminal, actually. And I reread my book recently, <laughs> and uh, I had forgotten about this fact that, in fact, all of the, the grain that is fed to animals worldwide— right. It, it's sort of a direct correlation. If mm-hmm. you, if you instead of cultivating uh, grain for the animals, which by the way is a different type of grain than right. than let's say corn that is made into cornflakes for human consumption, right. but if you you grew something different, something that was more palatable for human beings, if you spent all your time and energy, resources, and everything to do that. Um, it, it basically correlates with how much you could you could you could end hunger in the right. world, human hunger in the world. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan, and I'm here with Pamela Rice, author of 101 Reasons Why I'm a Vegetarian. 
She is a staunch advocate for eating vegetables, not animals. Pamela, in your book, you detail several developments which underpin the factory farming system, one of which is the development of nitrogen fertilizers, which increases crop yields. Uh, you have fertilizer, you can fertilize the land, and now we also have um, high-tech pumping technologies where we can, we can go very low down into the earth to extract water. And these are high-tech things uh, where we are lowering the water table as well, forever, forever. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, we are pulling out all this, this abundance of water, and we have abundance of plant growth because of fertilizer, because of two technological advances. And because of that, we've gone kind of off the deep end. We're, we're producing, producing, producing. You say, and then we look, we look up and we say, wow, we've got so much uh, grain over there. What are we going to do with it? And we started doing something that was unheard of historically, and that is we started feeding cultivated grains to animals. Never did that before. That's what allows factory farming is because at one time animals grazed naturally in a in a field or, you know, pasture or something. That's where they got their food. Whereas now when we're cultivating grain to feed them, we can keep them in small pens and feed them the, the uh, grown, you know, what we've grown to, to make them grow bigger. Is that, is that right? Ab absolutely. And, and so population has grown by multi-billions. Right. And, and it is like a lot of things in, in the world today. We are on the edge. We are living unsustainably. We're living unsustainably in so many ways. Along with nitrogen fertilizers to grow masses of animal feed, what makes factory farming possible is the use of pharmaceuticals. Uh, uh, animals are given pharmaceuticals even though they don't need them, because actually they have discovered, and it's really um, terrifying, really, that antibiotics uh, allow a chicken in particular, but all the animals, to grow faster on less feed. Right. So it's all about that. It's about the feed conversion. We could not have this intensive farming um uh, facilities where there are literally millions of animals in one small geographic area. Maybe it's spread out with, let's say, 12 giant uh, houses for chickens or, uh, or pig facilities where there are um, 20, 30, 40,000 animals in one small facility. Um, many kinds of Pharmaceuticals, they mostly are the antibiotics and the things that, that allow, that, that kill off bacteria so the animal stays generally healthy enough uh, to keep living, uh, and the hormones to make it grow fast. The majority of antibiotics used in the U.S. are given to animals in factory farms, not to fight infection, but to make the animals grow plumper quicker which shortens the time it takes to get them from the factory to your plate. Dairy cows are given a hormone cocktail to boost their production of milk. Once their milk production declines, the cow is killed for meat, 
which means that when you eat meat, you're getting some of those antibiotics and hormones in every bite. The result is the growth of antibiotic-resistant bacteria and fatal human infections which cannot be treated by antibiotics. As for the hormones, studies show they increase the risk of breast, prostate, and colon cancer in humans. When waste from livestock seeps into our water, these drugs pollute the water. Livestock also emit methane gas, which is a very potent gas, with a far greater effect on global warming than carbon dioxide. Methane is a greenhouse gas, and it's one of the more potent ones. And also nitrous oxide is another even more potent. Uh, both of these are emitted, these gases are emitted from these massive, quote-unquote, lagoons. It is a cesspool right. of feces and urine uh, to the tune of, you know, many, the size of many football fields um, and, you know, uh, 20 feet deep and filled to the brim with, uh, with animal waste. And this illustrates in some ways the best to understand the output from these massive facilities where animals are, are confined. The gases escape and uh, it is more potent than carbon dioxide, which everybody talks about a lot. Okay. Carbon dioxide is what is emitted from vehicles uh, but when you have a more potent gas and people are eating meat, I mean, the, the scale, we have to understand the scale of this industry uh, to understand how, how important it is to the environment. It is all about the scale of it and the habitual nature of, of eating animal-based foods in, in mass, a whole society, a whole, uh, the whole Western society, and, and how we, we see that as a birthright, in fact. We see it as our right to, to eat it. We grew up with it. Our parents, our mother gave it to us uh, when we were children. Uh, there's, there's nothing that makes us stand back, think, and think about how this food got to our dinner table. As with many other industries, the meat industry has been undergoing mergers and consolidation. The government has kind of looked the other way when there has been massive, absolutely massive concentration in this industry. Uh, and little by little, and sometimes you have to wonder why these things happen, but uh, there's been mergers, acquisitions, and you have these mammoth-sized companies, uh, gigantic slaughter operations, gigantic um, uh, just meat production um, companies and corporations, egg-producing corporations, uh, Smithfield, for example, pig operations. And, and these, they have put all the little guys out of business by all kinds of different means. Pamela notes that there are no federal laws to protect animals on farms. There are two federal laws governing the transport and slaughter of farm animals. According to the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, quote, 
the majority of U.S. states expressly exempt farm animals or certain standard farming practices from their anti-cruelty provisions, making it nearly impossible to provide even meager protections." Unquote. One other federal law titled the Animal Welfare Act does not cover farm animals at all. Basically what it does is give a pass for almost all kinds of cruelty. Um, but it has this, this name, the Animal Welfare Act. So, you know, if people just kind of in passing hear about the Animal Welfare Act, their first inclination is to think, oh, oh the animals are taken care of. You know, I don't have to worry uh, about cruelty to animals. I could go ahead and eat hamburger and chickens and all of that. Um, and, oh, the government's taking care of me. But it's, it's just, just the opposite. It doesn't even it cover chickens. Chickens are not considered um, quote-unquote, animals by the law. Uh, sounds ridiculous, uh, but you can, they, they basically have listened to the industry. The industry has told the government that um, uh, we know what we're doing. In our next program, we'll hear about the fish industry and how our government subsidizes the meat and dairy industry. In the meantime, I urge you to get Pamela's book, 101 Reasons Why I'm a Vegetarian. Until then, this is Salwa Khan signing off for Mothering Earth. Mothering Earth.